Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Adam Tiffin. A disappointing defeat in the capital leaves United still 10 points off safety. Can the Blues start the great escape this weekend against tabletoppers Portsmouth? We review the defeat of Leighton Orient and look ahead to the home clash against Pompey this weekend. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say, Adam, that you know we, we look back at that game against um, Bolton and we think to ourselves, Bolton, very good side team they're going to be up there at the end of the season. You can accept that. Leighton Orient, yes, they are second in the form table at the moment, but it, at times it felt like men against boys, and it's quite a frustrating one, isn't it, really? Well, I think the most drastic of contrasts is the three other teams that came up with us, obviously Leighton, uh, mm-hmm. Stevenage and Northampton are all in the top half of the table, mm-hmm. and we're holding everyone else up at the moment. So, yeah, and it's been talked about the whole week that late and orient games like that are the ones where you sort of really measure yourself against when you're a team like Carlisle and we've come up short. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously there was a lot of talk this week in terms of stuff like um, the issue of Simo's, oh, Simo's future sounds the wrong way to say, but is Simo the right man for the job, that kind of thing. Um, I think the general consensus among most fans still is yes, but you know, there's some of that support starting to waver with some people. We'll have to wait and see how it goes, but Generally, there's a feeling of it's starting to. I suppose the reality is starting to bite, isn't it, in terms of where we are this season and what level we're at. Yeah, I mean, I felt I've started to feel increasingly more numb to losses as the season's gone on, and that's only natural just because of how many there have been. Um, but yeah, the not as much the reality because I think everyone knew it was a possibility anyway, yeah. but the acceptance it's like the five stages of grief or or whatever or the recovery <laughs> yeah. the um denial acceptance and then you slowly get better uh which i feel like is what me and probably other carla fans are going through at the moment yeah absolutely right uh, as usual on this episode we're going to be looking back on uh, last week's game against uh, Leighton Orient we're going to look ahead to the Portsmouth game we have a chat with uh, Andy from the excellent PO4 podcast as well coming up later on uh, and we'll also have a little bit of a news roundup on the X Blues stuff as well but uh, before we get into that just a reminder our sponsor this season once again is the Car United Sports Club London Branch the London Branch do loads of fantastic stuff for the club in terms of fundraising uh, in terms of stuff for, like the medical team equipment in pre- previous seasons and also for X-Files they do some really, really good stuff in terms of arranging tickets for away games and travel and designated pubs and things like that. Um, yeah, so uh, if, if you want to find out about how to join them, you can go to their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. You don't have to live in the southwest or London to join them. You can live anywhere in the world. So get yourself there and find out a bit more about them. Right, a bit to cover in the news this week. Uh, Adam, we didn't get to cover this one last week because it was announced after we recorded a striker signing. Georgie Kelly. Yeah, Georgie boy signing. This this one came. Comp- I mean, there's been rumours about players, you know, for for weeks, you know, and potential signings. You know, Charlie Wake's name's been out there for ages, and mm-hmm. ironically enough, Charlie Wake has joined 
Rotherham United on loan yeah. at the end of the season, and they're covering all his wages, which we could not afford to do. Realistically, ten grand a week is just not happening. Um, so yeah, uh, Simo got his man. Georgie Kelly has joined on a permanent transfer from uh, Rotherham United on a three and a half year deal uh, for an undisclosed fee. Like I say, it's just a name that came out of nowhere, really, wasn't it? I think it, there was murmurs of it on the morning of the of transfer deadline day, but before that, there'd been no mention at all, had there? Yeah, I'd seen a couple of people, like say, mention it on uh, Twitter and and places like that earlier in the day, but it feels like more and more. I think this is just in in general in football that transfers are getting leaked more and more, which I think mm-hmm. is quite a good debate about. Is it actually a good thing? You know, you used to have the days where something would just randomly pop up and you'd have no clue about yeah. it in that whole excitement. Whereas now we all usually know about things before they happen, which there's positives and negatives about. Um, but yeah, it's uh, buying a championship striker as a team that potentially could be relegated to League Two is always, you know, it's hard to really bash it. Um, yeah. Obviously, the annoying thing is he's not going to be available for a couple of weeks but they knew that anyway um and that was obviously another problem with the other loanee that they tried to sign to yeah yeah it, it, simo did say didn't he he's very clear on this one that this is not a short-term signing to try and keep us up this is a long term this is someone we've wanted in the summer we couldn't get him then because we couldn't afford him we could have waited until the summer now till he was like totally fully fit but we would potentially been in a bum fight with god knows how many other teams trying to sign him and in league two possibly by then this was the chance to get him in now. And clearly it shows that the backing he's got from the owners, isn't it? To build a squad for the future as much as not just now as well. So that's yeah. the encouraging thing. Yeah. And that's been a consistent theme throughout the the sort of club's output this week is the owners backing the manager um, and their, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who it was, but it might've been either Simpson who said it or one of the, the reporters who said it is you can tell by the way the politics are speaking about him, that they do trust him. They're not just putting on a, a front to try and make things seem all good when they're actually not. So yeah, they're definitely backing their, their manager, which is something that you always have to commend. No, absolutely. Um, so a bit of a uh, Kelly's history, um, previous clubs, Derry city, university college, Dublin, uh, Dundalk, St. Patrick's Athletic on loan, Bohemians, and then obviously Rotherham United. He had, a, I think, he, 21 and 31 he scored for Bohemians in his final season, so a pretty decent scoring record. That got him his move to Rotherham. He made his debut for Rotherham. This is incredible. On the final day of the season, because obviously the way the, you know, the Irish season and stuff go, the final day of the season against Gillingham, he came on and scored the second goal to secure their win against Gillingham and get them promotion to the championship. So he's a, he's a cult hero. For Rotherham fans, whatever happens, you know, in the future, he's a bit like their he's a bit like their Kai Havertz, even though he didn't really because he didn't actually he wasn't one of their premier strikers because obviously if he was, we would not be able to buy him. Um, And I think he's also had problems with injuries too. But I I do remember seeing someone saying that his goals to to minute ratio is like stupidly good, but it's not because he's necessarily one of the best strikers in the championship. It's just like that game where he came on at the end and scored and he's just had a lot of goals off the bench. So, yeah. I mean, he's I think, like, something like 48 appearances for Rotherham, but only six goals, but most of those have been five-minute appearances off the bench. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the key oh. thing. So, so yeah, he, he's got a fairly decent record in, in terms of that kind of thing. Um, I think the power... Uh, six one two striker. He's more of a target man, which is, you know, obviously what we, we have in Luke Armstrong as well. Um but yeah, I, I, I just feel like it, it's a very interesting one. It's not the pace that maybe some people expected, but 
he offers a, a different dimension, doesn't he? Yeah, it's maybe not the type of striker that everyone expected or wanted just because we've already got someone like that in the form of Luke Armstrong, who's a bit bigger, mm-hmm. holds up the ball a bit. But um, he's certainly got the quality because if Rotherham, you know, have been, they've been a bit of a yo-yo club from the top of League One and the bottom of the Championship, mm-hmm. but still, for them to be able to, or not be able to, to want to buy him and keep him on and um, mm-hmm. obviously they're probably well happy to, to let him come to us, but he's obviously got the quality that's needed and it'll probably be even more enhanced if we do drop down to League Two. Yeah, no, absolutely. Interesting character as well, because he's got some interesting interests outside of sport. He seems to be involved in a lot of uh, environmental uh, companies. I think he's invested in a few. Like, I did some, not know that. Some sort of, um, I can't remember, some sort of kangaroo, this is going to sound stupid, some sort of kangaroo skin boots or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> really random. I remember reading something about it. Anyway, if you want to find out about him, look him up. I'm pretty sure it'll be on his Wikipedia page and that kind of thing. So there you go. Um Right, let's do a quick review of the some of the stuff that's come out this week in terms of uh, the uh, interview with Tom Piatek on the um, official website and uh, also the Kendall and South Lakes fans forum uh, that took place uh, early in the week as well. I, actually, before we start that, I should give a little shout out to Jenna Piatek here because uh, she sent a uh, she she sent a DM to the uh, Brunton Bugle Instagram account. Of a photo of her car, uh, you know the display that shows you what happens in your car, and she's yeah, yeah. Brunton Bugle on a little road trip up to where uh, I think they're on holiday for a week. I think her and uh, Nick, so that but that was pretty cool. I quite enjoyed yeah. that. Well, I saw him after, yeah, it would have been after the Leighton Orient game, wherever mm. they were. He was in his away top, looking yeah. quite um, yeah. sad, probably about the result and how things yeah. are going. But yeah, not not a bad place. We to appreci- be sad, yeah, though, we it? appreciate the listen at least. <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about some of these points in here. Um, first up, the stuff that um, Tom revealed in the interview. Some quite good stuff there, wasn't it? And I think the thing that stands out to me is that they've said that basically the, the training ground plans are, are progressing really quickly to the point that we might actually have a location in the next few weeks, Yeah, which is it's quite incredible, isn't it? I did see John Coleman writing an article about it, and it was I'd watched the interview that Tom had done with the club the day yeah. before. Um, and he was quite sort of vague about we had a few different, you know, things. Mm. I've got my preferred one, but we need to sort of go over them. And then obviously mm-hmm. the thing for, um, from John Coleman, which I assume probably was taken from the uh, from the, the big meeting. Yeah, from Kendall, yeah. Um, obviously talking about that we could know very soon. Uh, so they're not messing about. And it's that sort of desire to get things done, which is something that's been lacking a bit in Carlisle over these years. Yeah, and and one thing he, he was he made a, a very big point about the fact that they went to Fleetwood to their training ground before the Boxing Day game and were really impressed, and that's the kind of thing they want. And to be fair, it's something we've been bagging on about on this podcast for quite a while, saying that's the kind of facility we need as a club. You know, that's yeah. what we should be aiming for, and yeah, exactly what we're look, we want. Yeah, I've got friends who through one sort of football program or another who've like gone down to Fleetwood to play not necessarily maybe for Carlisle's youth teams, but even yeah. ones who fought. And they all, you know, sometimes we'd be talking in transfer windows thinking, how are Fleetwood attracting, you know, these sorts of players? And they're like, it's because of the training ground. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So that's the sort of, if we're aspiring to, aspiring to be at that level, then yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. And, and they've made a point, haven't they, that they want somewhere fairly close to the city centre because they want it to be a, a sort of joint community facility. Obviously, there'll be part of it, which is just, 
club only, mm-hmm. but there'll be elements of it that will be for the whole community to, to use it when you know the players aren't using it. So re- really encouraging to see that. Um, they're also been speaking to University of Cumbria about forging closer links with the club and a bit of better cooperation with the uh, the universities. That's that's a really good thing to see as well because that's something I think a lot of people have been banging on about for for quite a while too. Um, and this is I think this is the one we're most excited about though, Adam. <laughs> Potentially looking at a pre-season tour of Jacksonville and Florida. Yeah, getting over to uh, to Florida. It's one of the places that I've out of because I'm not like massive on going to America. It just doesn't really appeal to me too much. Mm-hmm. But that will be one instance where I will look <laughs> past my yeah. um, preconceived agenda. And <laughs> travel, uh, but who was it? I was trying to think of the. Was it Bradford who went to like Spain or, or Portugal or something for their pre-season? Or was it Gillingham? It was some. It was some League Two mm. club that had gone somewhere in Europe for their pre-season tour, which was really random in the summer, just gone. Um, but it'd be even more random if Carlisle was to just rock up in Jacksonville. I mean, kind of like you know, Wrexham. Obviously, they went to America, didn't they? But that, that's the they've got the Hollywood story. owners, yeah, so yeah, it exactly. makes more sense, really. That makes all sense, but yeah, but it, it's it, it's it's encouraging. It doesn't look; it's not going to be this summer. I think that's pretty clear. It's been far too soon for that. Mm-hmm. But potentially summer of twenty twenty five to so get saving your pennies, Blues fans, because there's potentially a chance to go out there and yeah. watch the watch the club in action out yeah. in the uh, states. You should try and time it. Actually, it would work quite well with the is it the twenty six World Cup that's being held in yeah. the Americas. That could yeah, time Adam, that could work out quite well for a, a long, long journey for any of the Blues. I think. I think the problem is. I think that the the twenty twenty six World Cup because it's this stupid like was it forty eight team format. It's yeah. six weeks. It's six weeks long instead of just the, the standard uh, four weeks, which mm. is a bit frustrating. Really. For me, too much football. I always say this. Everyone thinks you can't have enough football, but sometimes you can't have too much football. It's not as bad yeah. as them suggesting to do it every. What was it? Every other year. Two, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, just no, no, that's just that's just mental. Um, yes, uh, also sort of linked to this, uh, the family are actually speaking to the Jacksonville Jaguars about ideas and processes that might help us in terms of the way the team works and stuff. Which is that, that's quite exciting, actually, isn't it? You know, because yeah. NFL is a very forward-thinking sport in terms of technology and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's one of the most lucrative sports, so they reinvest yeah. it massively. Like the training facilities they have over there are stupid. Um, and that's just one of the, you know, obviously having all this back in financially helps, but mm. having people who've got these sorts of contacts to go and speak to these top, top people in the sports world to be able to benefit Carlisle, it's just another added factor that's making the future, even though the short term doesn't look so brilliant, the longer term looks like it's probably going to be much, much better. And it's because of these intricate reasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in terms of sort of the stuff at the ground, uh, plans have actually been unveiled, haven't they, for a new fan zone behind the work road end, along with uh, new turnstiles and disabled spaces and toilets and things like that. It, that's it, it, it. It's just bringing the work road end into the twenty first century, finally, yeah. out from the nineteenth century, if we're being brutally <laughs> honest. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just nice to see them actually working on stuff like this as well, because. Yeah. It'll be a shame that they're going to take down one of the floodlight pylons. I think to do it because that's the that's the corner where it is. And that floodlight panel's not used anymore, but it still looks quite nice to see it when you're coming into Brunton Park. So you, we'll only have the two big pylons left now, but hopefully they won't be gone for a while at the very least. Um, 
but yeah, nice to see the work being done there. Also, I think something else that I didn't actually put in the running order is that they've said they're going to be working on the, the changing rooms next, aren't they? Yeah. I think Tom mentioned that him and Patty visited Old Trafford and had a look in there, didn't they? Yeah, which is ambitious. Because <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if you've been to the Old Trafford. I mean, I went when I was a kid, so it's probably much, mm. much better now. But um, yeah, you're not going to be able to build a facility like that in... Um, in Brunton Park. But one thing they did say, which was good, is they're doing all the work they can do whilst the season's yeah. ongoing, they're going yeah. to be doing, uh, which is it's just smart rather than just sort of putting yeah. it on the back burner going, we'll do it all in the summer, just sort of relieving a bit of pressure and getting things moving rather than having all these things built up for the future and then them all coming at once. I mean, it, it sounds like they're, they, they're, the work for these stand might slightly overrun into next season i think just because the planning process they they want to get it done for july but they're not they're not 100% certain it'll all be done unfortunately um but ho- hopefully hopefully be good good news on that front as well uh but yeah the play i think the play change room i think old trafford they're thinking like because each player has their individual sort of space, don't they? Like almost, and like a, the name above and things like that. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing they're probably. That's what it's like at. in in American sports too. They've yeah. all got their own lockers and things like that, which they keep. They can keep yeah. stuff at the you know the ground, uh, yeah. yeah, at the ground, which make, obviously makes the players' life a lot better too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, only other thing out that came out of that was a bit from Nigel Clippins about uh, Jared Branthwaite. We kind of knew this already, but basically, if he goes for the sort of money that's been talked about in the press, which Everton have been wanting up to 100 million according to some reports. Yeah. We will get a significant amount of money as a result of that. Now, that suggests at least 10%, doesn't it? I think it's I'd imagine so. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's, with the, well, not as much money we got from the likes of uh, Trafford and Dean Henderson being Mm. uh, sold because of the way payments done nowadays, where they're in installments for those ones, having installments was a bit more of a hindrance, whereas for, for Jared, if he gets sold for say seventy million, forty yeah. millions of it up, of it is upfront, and then the rest of thirty million are paid over the next two, three years or something like that. Yeah, that's probably almost better because you get that Probably immediate cash, cash injection and then for the next few years you're getting continuous money. So yeah. yeah, I mean we're just very lucky that he's done absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we, he gets a mention in the X Files section at the end of the show today. Um, and final little bit of news. Uh, this is one that popped up uh this week as well uh eight lads have signed scholarship forms for the youth team for next season uh they are hayden atkinson jamie hodgson louis lambert who has come from middlesbrough uh jonah lowes uh seb mason jack porter simon rigby and casey silto who's come from stoke city so they're all going to be first year yts's next season so good luck to those lads uh for the campaign coming up um right it's Review time. Late on in free call United two. This it just wasn't a good performance, really. In the end, was it? It was just it the the body language. I think the problem with one of the problems was obviously we took the lead in this game, but then to concede those quick fire goals just before the break to go two one down in at the break instead of one nil up. Mm-hmm. The body language among the players was pretty obvious to see, wasn't it? Obviously, we were watching an eye fuller, but it, it, it was pretty clear to. You know, it hit them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of thankfully, but not thankfully too. I wasn't. I wasn't able to watch on uh, on iFollow because I'm not. Uh, I'm not breaking any of those streaming laws. Lee. I should say watching I, I when I say watching on iFollow, I meant I rewatched it on the weekend. I do actually rewatch. This is something I've said all season. I you didn't know you do, yeah. 
I do, so there you no, go. You do. There you go. Just need to get one of those dodgy Amazon sticks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even when we were, were leading, the moments before and after, it wasn't like we were in the ascendancy, really. Mm. Like maybe leading up to the game, you'd think, uh, you know, this could be a one where we could take some points from, but it really yeah. didn't seem like we had m- much joy at all, even though we scored two goals. Yeah. Um, team selection for this one. Five changes. Jack Diamond and uh, Josh Vella came in for their full debuts. Uh, also coming in for starts were Ben Barkley, uh, Finn Back, and Jordan Gibson. Dropping out um, Alfie and... Alfie McCalmont and Dan Butterworth to the bench. Paul Huntington and Jack Ellis out the squad altogether. And obviously Owen Moxon left on deadline day. What was your thoughts on this team selection? I mean, Simo did say, didn't he, in the build-up that some people might be quite surprised by the selection. I think there was one or two surprises in there for me. I mean, the obvious one to start with is Paul Huntington dropping out the squad altogether. It was a bit, bit of a shock. Yeah, he said in the past that Huntington's not a player, that if he's if he's not going to be starting, then he's not going to use him at all. Which, I mean, I sort of get the logic, but like at the same time, I don't because, you know, that's like saying, I don't know, if Ronaldo's not going to be starting, then, you know, what's the point in using him, even mm. though he's probably one of your better players? So, yeah. That leadership as well, isn't it? Really yeah, exactly. Well. And just if, if things were getting tight at the end and we were clinging on for three or one point, um, then you can bring someone like him on to sort of steady the ship and provide, like you say, yeah. that leadership and that uh, ability to instruct and and organise. Um, I was, to be honest, just from what Simpson was saying, it, it sounded like he was going to just completely change everything. Like Finn Back was going to be at right wing and Georgie <laughs> Kelly was going to be Gavin Skelton's place or something. Any anything was possible from what he was saying, but it really wasn't too surprising of a lineup because I'm pretty sure I saw someone who said what they would do, putting in mm. Vela and Diamond and, and the others um, before the game, which I thought, yeah, that's probably what they should do. And the lineup was the exact same. So it wasn't too much of a surprise uh, to see, obviously, Vela and Diamond starting. Um, not as much of a surprise as I thought it might have been. Yeah, obviously Ben Barkley coming in a little bit from the cold, having been out for a little bit. Um, I think back coming in from we kind of saw that coming. Robinson, obviously, he started again no. having started the previous games. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of I was a little bit surprised he went three four three. If I'm honest, I thought he might have just stuck with the three five two or gone four three three. So that changes the bit that surprised me. Um, Let's let's talk about the game itself then. Um, as you mentioned, it was pretty scrappy early on. Orin nearly took the lead through Theo Archibald when he was through on goal and lobbed uh, Lewis, but sent him wide, frankly. But then United took the lead, and it's about as scabby a debut goal as you'll ever see, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so actually, a fairly decent break down the left, a good bit of pressing, to be fair. When you watch it back, it, it was actually good play. Robinson plays a nice one-two and gets into the box, plays in a cross that's blocked. And then the defender goes to clear it and just boots it against Vela. It flicks off Vela's knee and into the top corner and the keeper's got no chance. It was a strange, strange goal, wasn't it? Well, I think flicking off, it seemed like he got a very good connection off of his knee. I don't know whether he's got... Strange, it, strange it, one, isn't it? It must have just been like, as he was running, his knees just completely uh, flexed. Hit it, And yeah. just hit it square on and come right back mm. off it because it came back off with some force. Um, yeah, 
Simpson said after the game that it was the only bit of good build-up they'd done pretty much through the whole first half and probably the game, to mm. be fair, to get to that point, which is the frustrating thing is that we can show these glimpses of mm. being able to create things, but just not enough and not consistent enough. And when we get into those final areas, you know, it's not even like there. It's a well-worked goal and they've pulled it back and Armstrong's got an easy mm. finish. It's a missed, or not a missed clearance, but a missed chance to clear the ball that's gone off one of our, yeah. our players and then into the back of the net. So, yeah, it's it's sort of, um, it's a goal that sort of can sum up the way Carlisle attack this season, which is mm. pretty poor end result. But we've somehow managed to, and we did later in the game, we managed to score another goal past 90 minutes. We just love doing it, not 90 minutes, sorry, mm. 70 minutes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just it's it's not inspiring attacking. No, no, absolutely. And that said, you would take that half time, you take a scabby one nil goals going oh, to the break with a lead. Not only could we not even hold on to the lead, we, we couldn't we couldn't even hold on to the draw at, at half time. Uh Ford for um Orient, he gets the equaliser. I tell you what, it's a brilliant finish. If you're watching it back, great strike. side foot it with your left foot into the top corner from there. Brilliant stuff. There's a slight argument maybe as to whether Harrison Neal can close down a little bit quicker. I think it's maybe a bit harsh, that, to be fair. With goals, Robinson should track him, track him a bit better, to be fair. With goals like that, I think it's hard to, just because the finish is so good, yeah. you can't take away from that, especially because it was first time as well, from him yes, coming yeah. across his body. Like I said, side footing it, just the power he's had to get on that and the placement all that combined is a very, very impressive finish and one that you'd, you know, especially if you were in the ground or if you were watching it, you'd go, yeah, I can accept conceding that. Um, it's just when, as we get on to that second goal went in, to be honest, I was listening to it, I thought we lost. As soon as that second goal went in before half time, yeah. I was like, we're not coming back yeah. from this. We've shown nothing We've shown nothing to to suggest that we'll be able to get back into this and we're going into half time now and everyone's going to be down. 100% I agree with you there that, that's the first thing I thought when the second went in for Orient um, I mean I mean I'm, I'm being very picky it probably is right to say that it probably shouldn't have been a corner it should have been a free kick Barkley yeah. gets tripped when he goes to clear it, it, it he clips the lad the lad clips Barkley's heels it should be a free kick on top of that the goal scored on 45 plus 4 only two minutes right on it. I know it's minimum but there wasn't enough to add on an extra two minutes. In, yeah, there wasn't in tons the of stoppages. Time. Yeah. yeah, it's just a strange one. It's but, just, but the marking's appalling. That's literally thing. what I was about to say. It's unfathomable how a professional team can get done by the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And this is one thing that people have criticised Simpson for, is, you know, tactics and setting up the team and instilling a sort set of way yeah and you know yeah set pieces was prior a thing that we struggled from in terms of yeah. attacking because we couldn't win headers in the box and score from them and now we just seem to lose men at the back post every single game and teams you know you don't have to be some brilliant analyst to realize that if you put it to the back post have a few men blocking in the middle and stick your biggest lad on the end of it to get it back across, you're probably going to score because it's happened in so many games recently. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the corner comes in. I think it was, I can't remember who it was. Someone heads it down and, and Ford is completely unmarked in the six-yard box. I can't, I can't even, I've watched it back and I can't even work out who's meant to be marking him. 
I, I, well, I think it might be Barkley, and I think Barkley's just so annoyed still that he didn't get a free kick that he he maybe just lost his money. It's hard. It's really hard to tell because there's about three of them who could be picking him up potentially. Yeah, well, a lot of the teams nowadays do the sort of hybrid zonal and man markings. Mm. So have a few players sort of in around the penalty box um, who are just sort of in their shape and try and stay in that. And then have a, a few men. I don't know why this tactic's coming to play, but they'll stick the smallest players on the man-to-man marking. I know you probably want to put them on the zone yeah. lever, but um, yeah, that's the thing that's done nowadays, which I just don't understand. Um, but yeah, it's just the fact that he's yards from goal and there's such a massive, obviously there's the two people on the posts and there's a massive gap between the goalkeeper and everybody else. Yeah. So there could have been, if they wanted to be, there could have been four late and Orient players who could, probably could have yeah. just taken it on the chest or something like that if they really wanted to and had time to pick yeah. a spot to put it into. Yeah, atrocious. Yeah, yeah well, it was not good at all. Um, into the second half, the predictable change was made. John Mellish was pushed up into midfield. It just, it doesn't look. I, I love. I don't want to Mellish. see him in midfield again. I, I, it's for me, especially not in League One. I don't. I don't mind it if we're playing well and it's a tactic where in one game you're like, right, we just want to try and get a bit more control here. But I think when you're struggling, I don't think it works. I just don't think it does. That, that's the thing. Last season when we did it in League Two, it was games where actually we weren't struggling that much. Like the, the thing, the Salford game last season away. He was pushed into midfield. Mm-hmm. It was actually only one-one at that point, but it was like, right, let's go and get a grip of the game here. When you're behind, I don't, I don't think it works as well. It just doesn't. I'm just only, explain. I'll only accept seeing it if it's like sort of past seventy minutes and we're chasing a couple of goals because you just mm. have to push men forward. Because in this league, even if it's a game where it's sort of tight and you want, mm. like you say, to try and get a grip of it, he's just not got the technical ability and the knowledge of how to play as a central midfielder. He just yeah. doesn't possess it. No. Uh, the O's increased their lead on f- just on the just before the hour mark. Sorry, um, pretty much killed the game off. This uh, it was a decent break. To be fair, what I'd say is Finn back is a bit out of position, and he's got to bring the lad down. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, this is the second or third time this has happened. Like in recent weeks. Too honest, to trying to get him back in position, trying not to commit the foul. Just bring him down, take the booking. This is actually something that really annoyed me the weekend. I, I didn't realise this till afterwards. We didn't pick up a single booking. I didn't realise that either. Where, where's the fight in the team? Like in a game like that, where if, you know, if you go one nil up in that game, we should be picking up a couple of bookings to take people down and you know, yeah, d- do that kind of thing. I, I, that's where anyone would applaud him if he took him down there and, and, and got the booking. He'd say, well done, you've done, you got done, but you've done exactly the right thing there. You've stopped an attack potentially yeah, exactly. going forward. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, I, maybe it's the naivety of him just being a young player and not having that sort of game smarts to be yeah. able to recognise that this is a dangerous position. You've just got to take one for the team. But I think of Finn back a bit more high than that to, yeah. I'd imagine yeah. that he'd, you know, especially looking back on the situation, he must realise that he needs to take the man down there. And obviously Simpson mentioned it after the game too. Yeah. Um, I mean, Moxon did the same thing the other week, to be fair. So, you know, he's not the only one. It's not like it's a repeat yeah. mistake as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I didn't need any more confirmation after the halftime <laughs> whistle that we were going to lose the game, yeah. but that sealed it. Um, yeah. Sort of leads on to another point, which has been announced today is the, uh, the blue cards that are going to be introduced for... Cynical yeah. fouls and or for sin bins and things like that. Yeah, um, I mean that. I saw, that might, I saw Mike. I can't uh, remember exactly what he said, but I don't think Mike's too 
happy no, with it. I, I'm, I'm not happy with it either. I'm probably... For Descent, I could get it, but I think for Cynical Files, it's annoying because all it's going to do is stop people doing those little Cynical Files, which I suppose is what it's aiming to do. But I, yeah. I don't mind that. It's part of the game. Mm. But um, but yeah, it was a good finish from Satirio. Got it on his feet quite well and then sort of put it into the bottom corner past Lewis. Um, they should have had a fourth Piggott. I don't know how he's missed that header from a few oh, years. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Late, late chance. And then, I mean, the, the penalty was pretty soft, to be honest. It sort of hit clip deflected up and hit the lad on the arm. I think it's a little bit of a harsh one, but you take it. And Maguire steps up and sends the keeper the wrong way to become our uh, top score, second top score, I think, behind Gibson on two yeah. goals. Yeah. I could not believe. I, I, I can't remember if uh, Armstrong took penalties at Harrogate, but I could not believe that he wasn't given it. Just a sort I, of like a, even just a, com- not a confidence thing, because he doesn't need, yeah. like, it's not like, um, you know, a player who's like really struggling for goals and you just give them a penalty to just mm. sort of take their mind off the fact they haven't scored. Um, but yeah, I just, I could not believe it was given to him. Yeah, but I, I guess maybe he's been the best penalty taker in, in training. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So could be the only explanation, I guess, but there you go. But yeah, that was it. Game was pretty much over anyway at that point and uh, whistle was blown pretty much straight after the kickoff from what I remember. And, yeah. Yeah, just just a few of the talk points. This one, I mean, Orient. I've got to say, Orient, very efficient side, very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they've clearly st- strengthened well in the summer when they've lost a couple of the key players, but they've kept most of the the core of their squad together. And look, at the end of the day, they finished as champions and comfortable champions as well. So, of course, they were going to do better than us this yeah. season. It's not it's not a huge surprise. I think Simo said himself this week, we probably got lucky last season. We weren't one of the best four sides in in League Two, but we showed a lot of character. And, on paper, and, we weren't for sure. And, no, we we showed a lot of teamwork and character and spirit to get ourselves up there. That isn't there at the moment because we're losing games and the confidence has been drained out of the team. So yeah. you, you, you do kind of get that. I mean, we do sometimes say, don't we, the stats can lie, but I don't think they really lied in this one, did they? When you look at it, we managed two shots on target all game, which of course was the penalty. And if you want to call Vellis one a shot. Yeah, well, I guess it counts well. as a shot, but it's not really, yeah, it's not really much of a shot. So no. uh, we can wait. essentially count it as no shots on target from proper ones from open play. Yeah, and Orient managed eight shots on target from uh, 17 in total. Um, big shout out to Harry Lewis, actually, to be fair. that He, he got a lot of plaudits in this game and he made a f- few good saves. And I, I, I feel for him because he's obviously come in and we haven't actually won a game yet, have we, had, I think, since no. he into the well, squad. This is a point because I know my dad was saying he's not convinced by him and I know a couple of people on uh, you know mm. not questioning it but thinking did we need to actually pay whatever money we did to, to bring him in but I can't remember seeing a goal where I thought you really should have done better there mm. like there's maybe uh, I think some people may be saying for the Devante Cole goal against Barnes that oh, he, he could have done better. Shot. But it's a good finish, so I can't really yeah. take it away from him. But yeah, I think we... I was looking up earlier, we've conceded since the turn of the year. So obviously he wasn't there for all of these games. But since the turn of the year, we've conceded 15 goals in six games. Yeah. So well, you can, we, we only conceded one against Portville. So effectively, we've... Because he played against Texas, didn't he? So that means we've essentially... Yeah. Uh, did, did he? he? I'm sure did. No, he didn't. Sorry, he, no, he didn't. Lie, he didn't. No, so we conceded well, two in that okay, game. Okay. So that's yeah. what's that? Twelve in five. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not almost great, two and a half a game. Yeah, uh, I, I do feel for the lad. I think he, I think he's done quite well. Um, 
Jack Diamond. Only got about what, 20 minutes out of him or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he looked quite lively in those 20 minutes, a few little moments that shows maybe we have got a player there. Yeah, uh, well, he is a player. The only reason why he's, yeah. why he's here is because of what he's had to to go through over the last sort of two years, um, mm. which I'm sure people have seen the, the clips that have been going around on social media. Mm. He was on Piers Morgan's show um, on whatever channel he's on now, um, talking about what he mm. went through, which is... It is sad to hear that he's had like this very talented footballer has basically had two years of his professional career taken away from him just yeah. for something that was obvious yeah. uh, to all the jurors was not a problem. Yeah, I saw that. Um, interestingly, uh, he, he called out the Orient fans, didn't he, for some of the abuse yeah. he was getting yeah. as well. Yeah, they, was, they yeah. were making some chance towards him, which I, it was something that I wasn't concerned about it in terms of, or oh, should Carlo be signing him because he's been cleared. Yeah. And, you know, they've gone through the whole process and he was cleared mm. in seven minutes by the yeah. jury, which is, I mean, I've never mm. heard of something that um, that quick in a, in a court. But I was sort of thinking, I just wonder the sort of reception he's going to get from from opposition, opposition fans. fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, formations, <clears throat> selection, that kind of thing. Did Simo get it right? I think maybe... I, look, for me, I went on the Carlisle Social this week. It was quite an interesting episode. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard, anyone hasn't heard it, there was some guys from the message board on there who are sort of heading towards the Simo out camp. I'm very much still in the Simo in camp. I think heading what? towards it's probably quite a, a nice way of putting it. I, yeah, think, they're, I, think, I think they're, they're pulling up at the destination. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm very much in the Simo in camp. That doesn't mean I don't think he, he's, he's not made mistakes. I, I think he has made mistakes. And for me, I don't quite grasp leaving Paul Huntington out. I think we said this earlier. I, I just feel for me, if he's fit at the moment, he starts every game because we need some experience in there. We need someone to lead the team a little bit. And we're not getting that from Ben Barkley just hasn't really stepped up to lead one lovely, which has been a real disappointment because he looked like he had the ability to do it. And I haven't seen it yet. I think in games at the start of the season, to be fair, this was when our defense was better in general. Mm. He looked, he looked all right. Yeah. Um, I just think the he was whole filling it at right back and right. Wing yeah, back, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think the whole defence... I mean, I was doing a bit of uh, research because I was looking off the back of Simo's comments about, you know, not ruling out the free agency market yeah. and um, funds being available for that. And one of the players I was looking at was Toto and Siala, who mm. used to be at Fleetwood and been in League One for like seven years now or something like that. He was a free agent at the moment. And I was looking at the sort of link into the corners. Huntington's got the highest... It's either him or, or Whelan. Whelan was like really high up there for aerial Jules 1 and Jules 1 mm. percentage 2. Um, but only Huntington was higher than Unciala and they were in sort of like the top sort of 80% of centre-backs in League 1. Yeah. And then Mellish was down in like the bottom 25% of centre-backs mm. in League 1 for both Jules 1 and aerial Jules 1. Mm. So there's been a big sort of... I wouldn't even say drop off because you can also just put it down to the fact that maybe they just aren't at that level. No, they're just, they're, they're, the confidence is not there at the moment. We, yeah. we keep saying it, but they they look their shoulders drop in games far yeah. too often at the moment. That, that's one of the biggest yeah. problems. But to go back to your uh, point, yeah, Huntington being left out, you know, because he provides that aerial ability at the back and the leadership and all the things we've yeah. spoken about. Yeah, I think that was one that the only reason I can imagine would be just because he wanted to give him a bit of a rest. But we had such... It's not like we had, you know, Saturday, Tuesday. You know, we had a no. week between games. So I don't see it as an excuse. 
I, I do. When you say about that Saturday Tuesday thing, it does, does make me think. I do wonder if he might come in for like maybe the Burson game, just to give us a bit of experience in a, in a you know what what's going to be a huge game mm-hmm. on next Tuesday night as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's much else to talk about from this game. Really, is there? I think it just wasn't. It just wasn't a. It, yeah, it, it just wasn't good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just be brutally honest. It wasn't yeah. a good day at the office at all. I mean, actually, no. One other point, something that I didn't get a chance to mention on the Carlos social. We mentioned before about the issue with set pieces. I think there might come a question at some point soon. We have to ask the question about the appointment of the goalkeeping coach in Dave Timmons, whether that's worked or not, because Paul Gerrard left for whatever reason. Fine. Mm-hmm. But the goalkeeping department was pretty good last season in terms of the way Hurley played. Um, set piece wise, he was the one in charge of attacking and defensive set pieces, we understand. Mm-hmm. And we were pretty good at both ends for that. And this this year, we don't look anywhere near. At both ends, we look pretty poor. Yeah, I mean, you can correct me on this, but I wasn't. I'm not aware if it is the case that generally goalkeepers or goalkeeping coaches are also the ones who do set pieces. I think. I think. Old I think Gerard it happens at some of, clubs. I think it happens at some clubs, possibly. I yeah, don't know, but that's I, the impression I get. I just think, and I think, I think Lomi might have actually mentioned it. I feel like I remember him saying that he's Paul Gerrard sort of took up a an assistant manager role where he was doing obviously yeah. the goalkeeping stuff, but like I said, doing the set pieces and mm. he was, you know, sort of on a par in terms of, uh, you know, communication, it seems on the, the touchline uh, with, with Gavin Skelton. So yeah, yeah I don't think I'm, you can necessarily blame the, uh, yeah. the current goalkeeper coach uh, for the set pieces being bad because he might not be, he might have had to yeah. take up that responsibility, but it might not be something he, is necessarily used yeah. to um, and they'll probably look to bring in a set piece coach if they can afford one um, in the future because it has I'm, been such a poor point for us yeah I mean you're right there we're not we're, I'm, I'm basing it on the fact that Gerard was in charge of that last season and I presume that's something the new keeper coach would take on if it isn't the case I do apologize but what I, I agree with that I think what we need is another first team coach in there to help both Gav and um, Simo someone who can focus on you know, the, the set-piece training and that kind of thing because mm-hmm. it's definitely an area we need to, to massively improve on. Whether it's, you know, ha- that move happens in the summer or happens soon, I don't know, but that that, that would be yeah. ideal, I think. And one thing I think that is has been mentioned a lot is, and I know from people who, who know uh, or know people around the club a bit better, is that maybe, and we can maybe tell this from games too, that maybe Simpson isn't, you know, the most tactic-heavy manager He's maybe more mm. of a traditional one, which is more about sort of player player management and getting the best out mm. of players, not necessarily through a system, but you know, individual work and just making sure they're at their or willing to give their their best yeah. uh, for the shirt. So having someone to come in, I mean, Gavin Skelton probably leans more towards the tactical side anyway because mm. he's a coach and not a manager. But like you said, bringing in someone else to just sort of help with the yeah. intricacies of the game should help I- a lot. And a different voice as much as anything. Sometimes that's that a good thing to have, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, right, let's do a quick rundown of the League One results before we go into part two. Uh, first up, uh, the early kickoff last Saturday was the Thames Valley derby between Oxford and Reading that ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, Bolton, they got a 1-1 draw at home against Barnes. There's not many goals in the early get some of the games. Uh, in, no, uh, annoyingly for my Acker. 
Burton, they lost one at home to Lincoln. Lincoln were down to 10 men quite early in this game as well, so that's not the worst result in the world for us, actually, for that to happen. Charlton, they lost 1-0 at home to Derby. They've just appointed Nathan Jones as their new manager. I know it's been derided by some people. I think that's you, a really good appointment, actually, to be fair. Have you seen how long his contract is? Uh, no, I I'm pretty sure, if I remember seeing it correctly, it's till 2028. Wow. But, They're giving him some time to build something. But, the main, uh, but I th- the, the main thing I think nowadays with uh, managers' contracts, the main sticking point is how long after... It's something to do with like when a manager gets sacked, how much they pay them or how long yeah. afterwards they can pay them for and things like that. So yeah. I think that was I mean, only about 12 months. But yeah, five-year deal. Yeah, quite often. Well, four-year deal, they, rather. Yeah, four. I think quite often they, they basically put them on gardeningly, don't they? And keep paying them yeah, until they find yeah, yeah. another job a lot of the time. Uh, Cheltenham lost 3-1 at home to Wickham. Exeter lost 1-0 at home to Bristol Rovers. I think Bristol Rovers manager, Matt Taylor, was the manager of Exeter, wasn't he? A few years yes, ago. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good, good return for him. Frustratingly, Fleetwood beat Port Vale 3-0. I mean, this, this result cost Andy Crosby his job as uh, Port Vale manager, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was sacked not long after it. Um, obviously, we got beat. 3-2 by Leighton Orient. Peterborough shot, suffered quite a shock. Uh, 3-2 home defeat to Wigan Athletic, who that's a good result for them. Just dragged them away from trouble for a bit. Uh, Portsmouth, our opponents this weekend, they beat Northampton 4-1 at home. Shrewsbury lost 2-1 at home to Cambridge United. And Stevenage, they beat Blackpool 1-0. Interestingly, I've got a mate who's a Shrewsbury fan. He was telling me that Paul Hurst is coming as manager at Shrewsbury. He's playing Morgan Feeney at right back. Which I'm pretty sure is something he complained about when he was at Carlisle that he got played there occasionally. So he's a right back. Yeah, that, that surprised me. Can we get <laughs> Terry like, Blardo back for that game, please? Yeah, absolutely. Get him running at him. Um, and obviously they can't bring anyone else in that well unless they bring in a free agent. You never know. Mm. Um, right, we're going to take a short break and then we're into part two. And in part two, I'm speaking to Andy from the PO4 Cast. Pompey podcast about all things Portsmouth. Uh, we'll be discussing things such as their post Christmas blip in form, uh, whether they're pleased with their January transfer window business and just how important is Colby Bishop's goals to their promotion push this season. So we're back after this short break with that. This is John Mellish, you listen to the Brunton Bugle. So yes, we're into part two of this week's Brunton Bugle, which obviously means behind enemy lines time, where we speak to an opposition fan from an opposition podcast about uh, their team ahead of the big game at the weekend. And this weekend, it's a bit of a daunting one for the Blues. We're playing the tabletoppers, Portsmouth, which means we're speaking to Andy from the PO Forecast uh, Pompey podcast. Uh, Andy, how you doing, mate? Hello, Lee. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, are you suggesting it's daunting for Carlisle Blues or Pompey Blues? Because it could be either. We don't. We don't always do brilliantly at team uh, against teams sort of lower down in the table, so we're probably both slightly daunted by it. Well, I mean, if you go back to the game back in was it October when we played you guys mm. at your place. Some arguments we were a bit unlucky that day. We had a couple of really good chances, and you guys obviously nicked it at the very end of a set piece that was really well delivered. And you know, we we, we could have caused a bit of surprise that day, couldn't we? Yeah, from memory, I think uh, Will Norris in goal for us made the, just such a good save in yeah. like the 89th yeah. or the 90th minute to keep it at nil-nil. And then, as you say, we just went down the other end and absolutely nicked it, which, yeah, it's been kind of, at that point, it was kind of a theme of our season, those late goals. We did the same against a few teams and, and nicked mm. late points. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, a theme for us at the time, which was a very well-received theme. But, yeah, you're quite right. I think we're not going to have any sort of, you know, sort of imagining that this is going to be an easy three points for Pompey based off that game. There's no sort of just assumption that we're going to come and 
take three points by you know five clear goals and disappear back to the south coast yeah, you won't be finding that at all. <laughs> no. Um, right, well, before we get started with uh, the, the questions about Pompey, just a little bit about uh, your podcast. Um, tell us a bit about that, how you got it started and that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. So it's called the PO Forecast. So yeah, you can find us at PO Forecast on Twitter, which, yeah, with the power of hindsight, we've realised that if you type that into Google, it just says, did you mean podcast? And then gives you about 14 billion <laughs> results for podcast. So we haven't made ourselves the most identifiable podcast in the world, but uh you know, that ship has sailed now. Yeah, so I think um, Hugh started the pod, I want to say 2017, um, mm-hmm. and did the first few episodes before I joined in 2018. And it's it's the three of us, so Hugh, myself, and a guy called Freddie, who just are probably similar to yours, just yeah. unofficially chat and represent and uh, see just, you know, it's a good chance to to vent sometimes. I mean, we try and do it politely and we're pretty middle of the road i think we've got a reputation for for mm. not calling for managers heads and not going off on you know absolutely outrageous rants and you know we're not quite that social media generation we're slightly older but all of us in our late 20s early 30s so yeah same as you we just chat rubbish about football because we love doing it and we've seen pompey i mean our age group we've seen pompey do everything from win div one win the <laughs> fa cup going to europe and also have to field teams of 16-year-olds because, you know, we've got one month rolling contracts and the club we thought was about to go out of business. So we've had two ends of the spectrum and now we seem to be balanced somewhere between those two extremes. A, a pretty thorough explanation there. And, and to be fair, I think we're very similar with our pod. We, we try and keep ourselves sort of down the middle sort of thing. And I know exactly what you mean. It'll annoy some people, but some people, it'll please some people. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah, you um, can't lose everyone all the time. So we just... Nah. We're true to ourselves and see how we get on. Yeah. Right. uh, Let's talk about Pompey this season then. Um, I mean, amazing start to the campaign, didn't you? You know, you're flying high at the top of the league, unbeaten until you got hammering off Blackpool in November. But then I think it's probably fair to say it wasn't until just after Christmas when you had that little wobble, didn't you? We had about four games where you didn't get a win uh, and your form took a dip. What actually happened around that point? And do you think you've managed to resolve the issues that came about at that time? Oh, it's our classic Christmas dip, to be honest with you. I mean, the Blackpool game was a little bit of a shock to the system in that we knew that, I mean, that unbeaten run was something like 26, 27 games. Mm-hmm. We knew that was going to come to an end at some point. I mean, realistically, you know, with the League One squad and eventually League One squads have a week where they're not consistently performing. And yeah, as you say, Blackpool just, it wasn't a hit and run. They could have won by more than four, or similar to our game against uh, Leighton Orient at Bratton where... We were just literally outplayed and their tactics were excellent and they executed them excellently and we, they were the better side. And sometimes you just have to admit that, I think. But yeah, the Christmas slump, I mean, you look at the teams that we drop points against, again, with all due respect to those teams, they're not teams that you tend to see teams that win the league drop points against. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think Cheltenham, we've taken one point from our two fixtures against them. Uh, Exeter... Nil-nil draw is a fairly dire nil-nil draw away from home. Fleetwood, we dropped points at home too and then lost away at Bristol Rovers who had a poor result the other night. I mean, they're, they've not exactly looked undefeatable this season. So, yeah, it was the, the classic Pompey Christmas slump. I mean, we've suffered a little bit with, with injuries, to be honest with you. it's I know it's a, an issue that every team thinks they're hit worse than everyone else, but it's for us, maybe it's not the number of injuries, but who they've hit. So it's been key players. So, I mean, Regan Poole, 
did his ACL in the, the FA Cup against Chesterfield with you know with hindsight should he really have been playing but you know hindsight's easy. Alex Robertson in midfield being just an incredible loan signing from Man City who was just pulling strings. He's gone back with an injury, gone out for the season. Morel's out for the season in centre midfield. You know we've we've not had the best of luck uh, in terms of key players, the spine of the team, and I think that certainly had an impact and. In terms of whether we've come back from that now, I mean, I'd like to think so. Uh, we've managed to put some decent results together again since Leighton Orient came and you know, outplayed us at Fratton Park. So we've got 10 points from 12 since then, including three away games. Our first half against Oxford was awful, like just mm. pedestrian, really, really poor, to be honest with you. But second half, the you know, Messino made a formation change and... Uh, and we managed to to come back into the game second half and really should have won that, to be honest with you. And then, yeah, Northampton, I don't know how much to read to that end of result. That's not a sentence. I don't know how much to read into that result because Northampton yeah. was so poor. I mean, it was a 4-1, could have been 7-8-0. And we yeah. were solid, but Northampton were dreadful, to be honest with you. Mm. I think they'd be the first to admit that. So, yeah, a nice bit of momentum, hopefully, going into this weekend for us. And uh, it's it's kind of crunch time at the moment. So, yeah, hopefully we're through the worst of it now. But uh, we are fairly injury injury hit. John Messino, your manager, uh, it's his first job in management. How do you assess the job he's done so far with you guys? Because, I mean, to come in and, and pick up the form as much as he did from to exper- you know, an experienced management team in the Cowleys, he's, he's done a great job, hasn't he, surely? Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of... We didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you, when he came in. When you looked at the names that, that were linked with us on the shortlist, I mean, he wasn't at the top for most of that duration and we didn't really know who he was, which is unusual. I mean, for the three of us doing a podcast and we've been following football really zealously for the last, you know, I'm 32. I've been following football for, for 23, 24 years at least, like going to Fratton Park. And it's the first time I've really seen us bring in a manager that, my response was complete lack of knowledge <laughs> on plus. So, yeah, he came in and got the fans on side pretty quickly. I think his temperament is excellent. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. At the same time, he's extremely honest in his interviews. I think our last, when we played, it may have been the Oxford United game, where he said that the last few minutes were just idiocy from us, I think was the word he used. Mm. And... He speaks to the press, as you would imagine he speaks to the players. Very respectful, very well-spoken, but doesn't just come up with the party lines. You don't feel like you're being spoken to by a politician, which I think is really important as a fan base when you feel like they're being honest with you. So, yeah, he's definitely won us over. And Christmas is the first time he's really had any adversity. You know, it's, it's easy to praise a manager when you're just getting good results, good results. And he hadn't really had that that slump for us to see how we reacted to it. And now we seem to have had that. And yeah, it's it's hard to argue with how how we've responded from three or four pretty poor games. It's, yeah, he's, he's obviously got a style of play that he enjoys executing and not afraid to reshuffle mid-game, not afraid to change things up and, and raise a few eyebrows with sort of player position and team selection. Yeah. So yeah, enjoying him so far. All right, let's talk about Johnny transfer business. Um, let's should we get the obvious one out of the way first? Then Owen Moxon. 
Are you happy with his arrival? I mean, we had a chat about this for your pod earlier the week, but just before he'd actually officially signed, when it looked like it was pretty obvious it was happening. Obviously, you've only seen six minutes of him so far. There's a caveat there, but you, you must be quite happy because, it, it, as you mentioned there, it's an area where you've got a few problems in terms of injuries, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Uh, yeah, as you say, he came on, it was something like six minutes to go. There was quite a lot of injury time, but he came on with us. Mm-hmm. Must have been 4 nil up at that point with 10 men. So he was never going to come on and be part of a really expansive... We probably weren't going to see yeah. that side of his game within that 10 minutes or so. So, yeah, can't can't give you a definite answer so far from what I've seen with my own eyes. But in terms of the reputation he's coming with, it is certainly a position we need we needed backup in with losing Alex Robertson long-term, losing Morel long-term. It was just a few days before Owen Moxon arrived. It was the Tuesday night before, uh, before the Saturday game that, that he appeared in. Yeah. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the side. He seems very highly rated and it's it's been quite nice to see the arrival of a player with such unanimously positive reviews. We kind of had it with Callum Lang as well mm. from the team that they've come from. Whereas, you know, a player like Tom McIntyre, who has unfortunately broken his ankle within 60 minutes of arriving at the club while getting a red card, uh, which is a, another conversation, but... <laughs> Yeah, he sort of had more mixed reviews, whereas Moxon is, you know, I've not seen anything negative written about him from any Carlisle fan. And Pompey fans are quite excited to see what he's going to bring to the side. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the rest of the January transfer business then. The, the impression I've got, I have a little look online on Twitter at this, or X as it's called these days. Mm. Um, I got the impression reading your fans' comments is they're pretty happy and actually quite surprised at the amount of business you managed to do in the end, because I think there was a feeling that you might not do much, but actually... The additions you've made, you mentioned obviously Lang there and, and McIntyre, you, you seem pretty happy with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, I only made really four incomings that I can think of. So earlier in the window, Matt Macy came in, in goal, as a as a backup, realistically. Matt Macy was, was with us last season on loan from Luton Town and did a pretty good yeah. job. Uh, Will Norris has been amazing this year in general, with the caveat of a couple of poor games, but over the season been excellent. And one of the gaps we've had has been a number two keeper. So Ryan Schofield, our number two keeper, has looked a bit iffy in the Bristol Street Motor Trophy, whatever it's called, (laughs) that one, the tournament that he's played in. He's looked a little bit lacking confidence. And our other number two keeper, Josh Alawayami from last season, has gone off to play in Finland. So there was a bit of a gap there. So Matt Macy's come in. And then there was a bit of radio silence and there was a bit of the standard murmurings and malcontent, you know, mm. uh, we've got injuries, we need players coming in, which there is an element of truth to. Uh, yeah, so Callum Lang coming in from Wigan, I mean, he's come on and just won the fan base round. He came on after that really poor first half against Oxford, where we were 1-0 down mm. and it was pedestrian and there, there was nothing to us in the first half. It was as bad as we've been in for a 45-minute period this this year, I think. Uh alongside Leighton Orient recently as well, where we were 3-0 down at halftime. But, and he came on and just brought life to the game and obviously got, got a goal, which certainly you know wins people around very, very quickly. And we ended up drawing the game 2-2. But then even in the game at the weekend, he looked really, really strong against Northampton, um, got a goal again, created a lot, looked solid defensively. Um, just, yeah, won a lot of people around very, very quickly. Tom McIntyre is a bit of a yeah, a bit of a sad one, really. We picked him up at centre-back from Reading to sort of be a, mm. a replacement for Regan Poole, who, as I said earlier, is an excellent player, was our, probably our best centre-back. 
and yeah, did his uh, ACL in the FA Cup. And Tom McIntyre's come in and unfortunately, yeah, played 58 minutes of football or something and then got a, a ridiculous red card, which has since been rescinded. It wasn't even a foul, never mind a red card, even with my Pompey Clinton glasses off. It was a strong centre-back's tackle. And if he doesn't make it, you berate him for not committing. So, yeah, got got the straight red, which was insane. Um, and we were we had about one hour of happiness where we saw that the red card had been rescinded before the club released that he'd broken his ankle and he was out for the it's season. Typical, that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so for his, for, uh, for his fee of £75,000, that averages out as to £1,389 a minute <laughs> from him this season, which... Probably isn't what they had in mind when they brought him in. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he has a good recovery. And then yeah, as you say, Owen Moxon being the the fourth signing. So we're pretty happy to be honest with you. We've patched up where the squad has been really damaged by injuries with players who have got a good track record either at this level or obviously Owen Moxon just te- uh, tore up League Two by all accounts yeah. last season when you came up and has earned his opportunity. I think. We'd, we'd probably agree as fan bases, he's earned the opportunity to give yeah. it a go at what will hopefully be the top end of League One or even even bottom bit of the championship next season. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. And you haven't lost anyone, have you, other than Robertson going back to Man City? Uh, Denver Hume has gone to Grimsby. Ah, so yeah. left wing back who, who wasn't really featuring, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, he's gone down to Grimsby. But other than that, no, Josh Holloway and me going to Finland early in the window. And... That must be a. I think that's about it. Someone else went yeah. to Finland. I can't remember who. There was a bit of a trend over a couple of weeks of players going to the Finnish Premier League, which was odd. But um, yeah, a bit of a strange one. But no one sort of major. Um, we, to be honest, we've yeah we we've maintained the squad we have for the most part, and then replaced our injured players who have gone back to their parent clubs or you know are in the rehab room long term at ours. Yeah. Uh- I know Paddy Lane is closing in on double figures for you, but Colby Bishop leads the way as your top scorer with 15 goals this season. That follows on from his 24 he scored last season. How big of a player is he in terms of your maintaining success this season? Colby Bishop or Paddy Lane, sorry. Colby Bishop, sorry, I should say, yeah. Yeah, so he's had a bit of an interesting season. You might have seen some of the the lower points he's had this season Mm. from a portion of the fan base who seem to think that all he contributes is penalties, which is an opinion that the majority of the fan base would think is uh, incorrect, let's say. But um, the relationship between him and a small percentage of the fan base was worn down to the point at one point he scored uh, scored uh, a month ago and cupped his ears to the fans because he's been getting a bit of flack on social media Mm -hmm. from some quarters, which I'm not a big fan of. But his contribution hasn't just been goal scoring. There's been a couple of goals recently where he's you know, showed strength holding up the ball away from goal and set the ball up for a long ball forward that has then led to us scoring with Paddy Lane, looking dangerous, making a run on the break. So it happened at the weekend, just gone. And it happened, I think it was the Oxford game as well with a cushion header. And he's contributing a lot. And the system we play with sort of, generally it's three players, you've got a 10 and two attacking wing players playing off him at nine by himself. It's not necessarily the most glamorous position in the world. And he does well to get as many goals as he does from that position, to be honest with you, because a lot of the time he's picking up the ball facing away from goal and then trying to create something for either Paddy Lane or Abu Kamara or Callum Lang or whoever's playing at 10 in that game. Um, he's missed two of his last three penalties, which again mm. puts a bit of a target on your back. Uh, 
in terms of the fans who, let's say you just go to home games, the two last home games he's missed penalties in front of the same end in the same time in the game. So there's, yeah, a, yeah there's a probably a slight lack of confidence there, you would say. But um, yeah, he's, he's a key player. He's a quality player. And mm. again, we said we needed, he needed just one to go in off his backside. And that, that almost happened at Oxford with him just scrambling it in from about a yard out. And he is a key player for us. And I mean, we've got a bit more option now with Cassini Yengi having come back from the, the Asian Cup mm-hmm. where he was playing for Australia. Um, and I think that gives us a bit more variety, whereas we were very reliant on Bishop in that number nine role while Yengi was away. So yeah. there is a bit of flexibility there, but I'd, I'd be surprised to see Bishop not playing the full 90 minutes. He doesn't tend to come off unless he's picked up a knock. Yeah. Uh, any other danger men in your squad that we need to watch out for? Uh, how long have you got? I mean, I'm obviously... Going to <laughs> You're going to be a while, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the obvious ones are sort of Lang, Bishop. Tom Lowry's come back. He would have been injured, I think, last time mm-hmm. we played you, I'd imagine. He was out for about five months and has been doing really well in midfield since he came back. He was, his comeback was the one sort of shining light in the 3-0 defeat to Leighton Orient at home. He came on in, in yeah. the second half and, and pulled strings. He's a very, very talented player and it's good to see him get some game time. I think o- Connor Ogilvie, since coming back from injury at left back, again, it's not very glamorous, but has been a really solid player and looks good going forward as well. And yeah, I mean, Paddy Lane is just blossoming this season since we played you, to be honest. It's been lovely to see. Uh, he's, yeah. You can see his confidence is high. He looks good going forward. His first touch has come on leaps and bounds. And I guess last one will be Miles Pert-Harris, who's come in on loan from Brentford who mm. will either play at Cam or potentially on the left, more likely to be playing in that 10 role, who has yeah, looked good since he came in. Uh, hasn't got a goal yet. Uh, missed a good chance against Port Vale away to put us one up, but there is a goal coming for him. He's, he's had some solid games since coming into the side and him and Lane are starting to click now in terms of their interplay. You, you can see that they're starting to know where the other is without having to check, which you only really get from minutes playing together. But... I'd say we're probably stronger going forward at the moment than we are at the back. Mm-hmm. There's a there's always that question mark at the back. I mean, Sean Raggett will probably come into the side to replace Tom McIntyre. He's got a mistake in him. Connor Shaughnessy is an excellent centre-back, but against pace, can look a little bit wanting. He, he got shown up a couple of times against Oxford on their right wing. Mm-hmm. So there is a a slight susceptibility at the back because we're so obsessed with playing it out from the back that if you can put pressure on particularly Sean Raggett and close down Will Norris, there is the opportunity to have a sort of a possession turnover quite high up the pitch for for you guys. Um, So I think if you do get success in this game, I'd imagine it would come from executing pressure onto the back four while Mm. they're in possession and and turning over possession like that. That tends to be how we concede more often than not. Mm. Well, that's quite encouraging because when we played Barnsley a few weeks back, we should have been four or five up at half time, and that was because we pressed them so much because they were obsessed with playing out from the back of their keeper. It was appalling. His passing mm. was terrible. So that that that's a slight little bit of encouragement for us. Yeah. I think you're about to smash that encouragement because I'm going to ask you for a prediction now for this weekend's game. Yeah, like like I say, there's no sort of expectation that we're going to come and walk away easily with a, a you know a comfortable six nil away win. I don't think you'll find anyone saying that. I think on our pod, I went for a 2-0 Pompey win. 
Um, I can see you scoring, to be fair. I know like you're in obviously horrendous form at the moment. Is it mm. six defeats in seven or something? Yeah. And having picked up 10 points from 12, I think he, my honest prediction would be a Pompey win based off the form table and having seen what we did at the weekend. I mean, having said that, you know, it's League One. It's, you know, we, we said the same thing before playing Cheltenham. We said the same thing before playing Fleetwood. And those results didn't go quite to plan. I think, yeah, if we play the game 10 times, I'd say Pompey win more yeah. than five times out of 10. I'd probably say Pompey win it seven times out of 10. I'll go with a 2-0 win, but who's to say that it won't be one of the three? It would be it would be on brand for us anyway. But um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we come and uh, spoil the afternoon a little bit. I mean, for you guys, I mean, are you seeing it as a, a game that sort of, is it a free hit? Because you've got some key games following, haven't you? You've got Cambridge well, and, and teams around you afterwards. We've got, we've got Burton, Cambridge, Bristol Rovers. And, well, maybe. And Reading, yeah, in the, next, in the next four games, basically. And then Charlton mm. after that, even who were down there as well. So yeah. it's a big run of five games for us after this one. I, I don't know if we've seen it a free hit. I think Paul Simpson himself has said that the fans seem to think that. So maybe that's going to take the pressure off us. But he doesn't look at it that way. You know, he knows we have to be at our very best to, to have mm. any chance from it. So, so there you go. Andy, you've been very generous for your time. Thank you very much. Uh, just before you go, uh, where can people find, remind everyone where they can find your podcast again? Yes, yeah, so on t- uh, X, we are at PO4Cast. So it's the start mm-hmm. of the Fratton Park postcode, then C-A-S-T. Um, we run the account from uh, Pompey News Now. So at Pompey News Now on Twitter. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. feel free to come and have a listen. I mean, you came on last week to give us the lowdown. Um, on Owen Moxon so if people want to hear what you've said about him and see if they can yeah. dig you out for any of your comments that was last week's episode and then yeah depending on how the game goes on Saturday they might want to come and listen to three fairly upset Pompey fans it might be good therapy I don't know for, for mm-hmm. you guys to come and enjoy us sounding upset about a, a terrible away day so yeah people are very welcome to come and have a listen I think we're pretty chill and uh, fairly respectful of the opposition <laughs> you agree with that so yeah very welcome Oh. You don't you don't always get that from opposition pods, so there you go. Andy, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. All the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. I'm sure you guys will be up when we want when we want to see Owen Moxon playing in the championship next season. Absolutely. Yeah, all the best to you guys too. Uh yeah. genuinely hoping you stay up. It's really good seeing you in League One in a completely non patronising way. So I would actually quite like to see you stay up. No, that's great. Cheers, Andy. Right, we're going to take a short break now and we'll be back with part three, where myself and Adam will be looking ahead to the big game this weekend. Hi, it's uh, Tom Piatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, we're back for part three of this week's Brunton Bugle, and Adam and I are now going to look ahead to the Portsmouth game after that uh, excellent chat with Andy. Uh, I mean, Adam, Simo himself has said that he thinks like people are talking about this is a free hit for us, and you know they're, they're already expecting we're going to get beat. How do, how do we get a positive mindset into this game? Because it is a difficult one, isn't it? You think Pompey are flying up there at the top of the division. But actually, when you look back at it, they've had some duff results against teams near the bottom and we nearly beat them at Fratton Park. So it's not it's not a lost cause yet, is it? No, but I don't think having that we're written off everything against us mentality is actually a bad thing, hmm. especially with the position we're in um, because we're going to have to get desperate soon if we want to, you know, pick up enough points to, to be able to stay up. Um, but one thing I think that should give people confidence going into this game and give the team confidence is the amount of injuries that Pompey have picked up recently. They've got yeah. so many injuries. Like from the last game alone, 
they now have three players who are out for the season. One of them, actually, was the one who got sent off for winning the ball and the tackle. Have, have you but, seen that? Yeah. It, it, what a ridiculous decision. So uh, Tom McIntyre, the defender they signed from Reading, um, it, it, he gets an absolute hospital pass from, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Connor Oglevy. And he goes in and he, he slides in and he wins the ball cleanly. The lad lands on his ankle and goes down and the ref gives him a red card. It's been overturned, the red card, but apparently they only got like, like as uh, Adam, Andy said there, sorry, he said they, they only got like an hour of joy uh, with the news that the red card had been overturned. And then an hour later, the club were like, but he has broken his ankle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it, it's tough, isn't it? But yeah, think, you, you're right. I know you said that and you know, uh, obviously chatted about Colby Bishop in uh, yeah. with the, the lads from the, the Pompey podcast. I feel like I saw that he's also out, um, if I remember correctly. I feel like he's either injured or has been injured for a while. Um, I'm not sure if he's expected to to miss the game. I'm pretty sure he missed a penalty against Northampton, so oh, he definitely played that game. So no, I just saw somebody who's put together like a an injured 11 from Portsmouth mm. and he had... Uh, and it was Bishop, and it was like one plus month or something like that. So, yeah. um, unless he's picked something up this week, I don't yeah. know, but they didn't seem to think that. Yeah, um, yeah obviously, Morel's another one, isn't he? I think he's out for this season, mm-hmm. and he's a big player for them. Um, and there was another lad, I was name, I can't remember who's also injured. Um, I'll try and find it quickly. I'm sure I've got the squad up here as well, but um, yeah, it, it's. It's looking like Sean Raggett's going to have to play for them. And it seems like he's someone who picks up a few, you know, he's not the best on the ball. So he's someone you can potentially get, especially with a team that can try and play out from the back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he was was linked right at the start of the season with a move back to Gillingham because Mm. that's where he's he's originally from, Gillingham. And he'd sort of fallen out of favour at Portsmouth. But obviously nothing's come of that. And I think he's, he's probably barely played this season given the strength of their squad. So... Yeah, it's going to be a quite a, I, a neat, on paper at least a, a nice little warm up for him to get back into playing. Well, it, what we need really, isn't it? We need a performance up there with the first half of Barnsley uh, yes. earlier this uh, last month mm-hmm. because that was a game where Barnsley wanted to play out from the back every time, mm-hmm. and the pressing we did on them was excellent. We need that from the start. Armstrong, Armstrong can do that, but he needs someone up there to do it with him. I wonder if it's one maybe we start Sean Maguire up front with him for this one potentially. And we'll talk about that in a minute in terms of what we pick. Yeah. But that's that's a potential option, I think, maybe. Um yeah, Portsmouth this season, brilliant start. I mean, carrying on from last season, the run beating run was for like twenty seven games, I think it was, when it came to an end. When they got beat four 0 at home against Blackpool. But then they, they they carried on okay after that, and it was Christmas when they hit that blip of form. Um but they seem to have rediscovered that form now and they need to because Obviously, Port, I think it was Derby and uh, Peter were catching up on them closely. I think if Bolton win their games in hand, we'll go top anyway. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. And that, that's the case. But when you look through their squad, who are the people that stand out to you there? Well, there's a couple. There's one that I'm happy they're missing, which is Alex Robertson, because he's injured for the yes. rest of the season as well, because he'd done his hamstring. Um, but he's on loan from Manchester City. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember which of the two, because there's a Lang and there's a Lane, and one of them scored either a hat-trick or a brace oh. last week. Well, um, Lane scored two and Lang scored one in the right, form. Okay. It was so, Lane that I'm thinking of then. The, yeah. uh, Lane's a good player. So yeah, they've got they've got quality right across their, their front line. Um, obviously, if you look back to their midfield too, 
Um, the fact that Mox probably won't start for them and isn't going to be a start for them for the rest of the season is an indicator as to the different levels because we yeah. were relying on him even though he wasn't playing at his best and he's probably not going to get too many minutes for them. Um, look to their back line, Connor Shocknessy as uh, James yeah. Phillips kept on reiterating us. Yeah, I think it was his parents or something like that. Yeah. I told some local reporters that it was Shocknessy, not Shaughnessy. Um, but yeah, there's just quality throughout this one. I think the only position they haven't got major injuries in is goalkeeper, and they've got Will Norris, who showed in the uh, yeah. previous game that he's good a very player. good goalkeeper, and Matt Macy, who used to be at Ma- uh, not Man United, Arsenal. So yeah, I think the Macy they they had him on loan last season. And they've re-signed him because he was a free agent in January because their other keeper went to Finland. Um, Ryan Schofield, who they got from Huddersfield in the summer, hasn't quite stepped up. I don't think. I think they're, they're a bit disappointed with how he's done so far. So that's why they brought Macy back in uh, for a bit of cover there. But yeah, you're right. There's just quality of it. I mean, you look at the January transfer business. Pert Harris seems to be doing really well at Brentford on loan. Yeah, he he seems to be on loan from Brentford. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. And McIntyre, yes, it's bad luck, isn't he? He's out for the season. Yeah. We know what Owen Moxie can do. We'll talk about him in a sec. But Callum Lang, the Wigan fans, these seem generally quite disappointed to lose him. And, he, and, he, and he's made a real impact straight away for them, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And it's just the sort of, that's the almost sort of like what we were trying to do where we like picked off some of the better players from, from League yeah. 2, obviously getting uh, Harry Lewis and, and Luke Armstrong. They've just gone and picked off some of the better players from like the middle to lower end of, of League, League One. 1. And yeah. that's the sort of position we'll hopefully find ourselves in in a couple of years' time. But like yeah. like I mentioned, it just shows the, the the gap in quality where they can just go and pick off one of our best players yeah. and he'll get maybe half an hour on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's talk about him then. Owen Moxon, what kind of reception do you reckon he's going to get? I, re- I really hope he gets a good one. Yeah, and he, I think he will. I think he will. But I do think there'll be some knobheads who'll be like, where he left us? Like like the people who boo in Kyle Dempsey. Yeah. Like it's those those people, Silly. it's just, it's inexplicable. The fact that you can boo yeah. somebody who's, you know, done so much for the, for the club what? just because they left. I'd I'd like him to get a big cheer when he comes on, and then a real big pantomime boo the first time he touches the ball. That would be funny. That I I think we'd appreciate that. Yeah. But yeah, he'll get as long as he gets his cheer when he comes on, so we know he's appreciated. And then after that, he'll get a little bit of stick. But look, he's a good player, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing in the championship next season for them. So, so yeah. there you go. So yeah, let's look at some of the other bits. Uh, form wise, Portsmouth they're currently ninth in the last six games form table with a record of loss, loss, one, one, drawn, one. So they've unbeaten the last four. Uh, we've dropped down to 23rd now, and the only team proper is up in the last six-game form table is Charlton Athletic. If we lose this one, it'll be six defeats in a row, and we will be very much bottom of the last six games form table, unfortunately. Um, last time out uh, for Portsmouth, obviously a 4-1 win over Northampton, as I mentioned before, with uh, goals from Connor Oglevy. Uh, two goals from Paddy Lane and Callum Lang scoring the other goal. And they, they looked totally on top in this game. They, they really did look good. From By all accounts, they could have won by six or seven. Um, in terms of head-to-head-wise, uh, Pompey are well ahead of us. They've got a, a, It's going to be the 43rd meeting between the two sides. And they've won 18, we've won 13, and 11 have been draws. We've only won one of our last 13 meetings with Pompey. Uh, our last win against them at Brunton Park actually came in August 2012. That was a 4-2 victory with goals from Jake Jervis. There's a name for you. 
Danny Livesey, James Barrett, and Paddy Madden. One of only two goals he actually scored for us. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, we only we've actually only lost one of our last four home games against them, though. To be fair, obviously there's that famous. I think the, probably the most famous one will be the uh, was it the two two draw when Danny Granger scored that stunning right foot rocket in the last minute. Was it? Do you remember that? That's one? not the one where he obviously. Uh, oh, because I, I remember the commentary of it, and if it's the one that I'm thinking of, I don't think it was. Maybe it wasn't right footed then, but I remember him. Are you thinking another one the, from the like a court the corner of the box went no, into the right I, top corner. I know which one you're thinking of. You're thinking of all against Newport, I think it was. Right, right. Okay. It was free, that was a three-two win. Right. This was the one where he picked it up on the left wing, cut inside onto his right foot, and from like twenty-five yards, just hammered it into the top oh, corner. You know, right I think foot. I do. I do remember which one you're on about now. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. ridiculous goal. Like it, I can't remember if it got played goal of the season, but it should have got goals. It was that good. Um, Referee for this one, Martin Woods from Lancashire. Uh, it's his second season as an EFL referee, having started in 2022. Taking charge of 19 games so far this season, handing out 71 yellows and five red cards. Last season, he handed out 99 yellows and five red cards in 27 games. And the last United game he took charge of was the one that lost to Bristol Rovers early this season. Um, Barkley, Moxon, Gibson and Garner were all booked that day. Two of them not even winners anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't turn on, isn't it? It's Garner just, getting a booking mad. doesn't really... That's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious, isn't it? Um, Right, well, let's talk about United then for this one. Um, Obviously, it looks like Coyote's not going to be ready for another maybe two or three weeks. Um, Kelly, maybe a week and a half. They seemed a bit Um, more encouraged about Coyote when they were talking about him because they're saying now he's running without pain, which is obviously an improvement considering. I mean, it's unbelievable we signed him in the summer. He played obviously the game against uh, Accrington Stanley, done his shoulder in that, yeah. and then a little bit against Stevenage. We just haven't seen him at all, um, which is just sad. Yeah. It's sad for him and also sad for us because you, maybe if we had that other striker in those times where we were screaming out for one, then we wouldn't be in this position. Yeah, it, it, I think if, if he played a bit more, I think we might we might still be struggling. But I think we'd be a little bit higher than we are right now, sadly. But there you go. Um, what do you do with this one then, Adam? Do you make it? Do you make? For me, I still think there's going to be two or three changes potentially to the team for this for this game. But what would you do? I'm just sort of like I'm trying to think of combinations that have been or haven't been used yet that they potentially could use. I'm I'm struggling to see what configuration quite- could get a result. There's a question over Diamond's fitness potentially for this one. It sounds like he only started did tra- he's only going to do training tomorrow. But if it's only been that long out, he should be okay potentially to come in from the yeah. start, I guess. Yeah, because it wasn't a, a muscular injury. It was more just sort of swelling yeah. around his ankle uh, from yeah. what seemed like a pretty... Well, at first, because when yeah. Lumsden was talking about it on the on the commentary, it seemed like he'd maybe rolled his ankle or something like that and it was going to be something... Yeah. But they sort of quickly realised it actually wasn't too bad and it was just sort of something that's going to keep him out of that game. But I'd, I'd be amazed if it fully rules him out of, of yeah. the one against yeah. Portsmouth. But I, he has to start if he's... Uh, even yeah, if, he's, if he's, you know... Fit. Yeah, if he's fit at all. Because um, even if you can only push him to sort of 60 minutes, just having that quality on the pitch, just in case it's needed, is going to be so vital. Um, I'm just trying to think of what they could do in midfield because it's going to be... Do you stick Do you stick with the four in midfield? Do you go back to the five? I'll say three, five, however you want to describe it. I'd I'd be tempted, and this is could be quite brave, to have 
to play a 4-3-3 and just sort of mm. try and bulk up the midfield because that's where they're going to want to play. It's not like it's going to be a, a, mm. a back-and-forth game. They're going to have a, a lot of control in midfield. And if we can sort of create quite a narrow, low block the sort of five yeah. in midfield with people dropping back. Obviously, that's dependent on Diamond's work rate's fine, but obviously, if you're playing someone like Gibson or maybe even Butterworth, that um, defensive work rate isn't as guaranteed. But I think it's something that's not been used for a while. Now we've got the likes of um, Avella and Neil and whoever mm. you want else you want to put in the centre of midfield at this point. Um, I think there's just a bit more solidity there. And I'd be more confident in playing that. But to be yeah. completely honest, I can't think of a single configuration <laughs> that will be right. effective. What what I would go with, Lewis and Girls, an obvious one, back at right back. I'm going to go four at the back because well, you've talked me around to it in my head now. So I'm going to go Lavelle and Mellish as your two centre backs. I work. I work on the basis that I don't think he's going to pick Huntington. Right. That's okay. the way I, I was going, Well, you did I'd say. I was going to say you'd probably pick him because but, if so, I'm, you I'm, can just cancel everything you says about yeah, forty minutes I know, ago. I know. I know. Um, I'd put Jack Armour back at left back. I think Robinson struggled a bit in the last couple of games I think defensively. His, I think his the, his head's dropped as is everyone else's, but he's struggling yeah. to get it back up again. I mean, his, his set pieces have been awful as well, yeah. which is a shame because they look so good, like just before Christmas. Yeah. Um midfield free, Vela and Neil pick themselves at the moment. Yeah. That's to be said. I'd put Taylor Charters in there, gives us a bit more energy and I think he's got that quality on the ball as well that we really need a little bit more of in midfield. Mm-hmm. And then your front free is Gibson, Armstrong and Diamond if he's fit. If, yeah. if he's not fit put Maguire in there because I, I, I'm just not convinced by Butterworth enough and I think Maguire at least will offer maybe a little bit more of a goal threat there. Yeah. Which, and I'm not saying much because he scored two goals this season but you know I just feel like yeah. he might offer a bit more. I think also what the at least playing three forwards obviously you know Gibson and Diamond aren't out and out forwards but yeah. having that three front line helps with if you do want to press because if it's just mm. the two like we saw against Bolton when it was Armstrong and was it Butterworth who started? Yeah, Yeah. they just they'd sort of try and uh, block off the passing lanes, but then Santos would just go all right then, and he'd just go into midfield with the ball, and then he's he's just taken out two players immediately, and now the midfield having to worry about not only what's in front of or behind them rather uh, in terms of you Mm. know keeping track of these constantly moving parts in that Bolton front line, but also this centre back is running towards them on the ball and is actually competent on the ball. So I think it'll just give the midfield a bit more sort of assurity that they don't have to leave their positions and risk what's happening behind them. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. uh, Let's do some predictions then. What are you going to go for for this one? For the first time on the Brunton Bugle. Oh, so I'm going to predict a defeat. I am going to predict a defeat because... Someone's chasing those points. Someone's definitely chasing those points. That may be true, but... Oh, it might jinx it. Um, yeah, oh, the, the jinx is... Uh, is well, yeah, one. We're, we're doing all sorts of AFCON juju to try and get this result. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see, with the state that we're in, how we're going to, in this game particularly, how we're going to be able to pick up points. But yeah. c- conversely... It is one of those games where just something stupid could happen and we could make yeah. a, a win. So but I'm going to go with a. I'm going to go with a two 0 defeat. 
Two nil defeat, not even a goal scorer. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that 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 is bold. That is bold. Right. Let's have Dan's prediction first. Negativity, we're down. We're gonna play in League Two. Sod all that. Top V bottom. Let's upset the Apple Cart. Three one win for the blues. Armstrong, Neil, and a Lavelle header. Up the blues. I won whatever Dan's been smoking. My word. That is free. Free one. Wow. Right. Let's have Mike's prediction. I think Mike might go for a win as well, you know. I'm going to go for a wild 3-2 win with goals from Armstrong, Maguire and Charters. Where are these goals coming from from these this two? It's mad. That's insane. faith of I've ever seen right. it. I mean, I'm going to go for a win as well because I'm the eternal optimist, but I'm going to go for a, a proper rear guard 1-0 win and a goal from Armstrong. That's all I'm going to go for. I think it's going to be one of those games where we just come they batter us but we somehow hold on and get that one nil winning and that clean sheet that the lewis hopefully will uh, enjoy <laughs> as well honest, in some uh, way i can actually see a three one more than i can us winning one nil just because no, our defense you're, you're 100% has been right. so bad you're 100 right now there you go i just realized i forgot to do uh, mike's question before so let's quickly do this question before we do the x-files sections here's the question mike did for today's episode now former blue jimmy glass had loan spells at both Carlisle and Portsmouth. He also had loan spells at three other clubs. Which clubs are they? Mm-mm-mm. I feel like because he was at he started out of Palace. The first thing that came to mind was Bournemouth, but I don't know if that's because he had a role there after he retired. No, I think I think you're right. If, oh no, is he at Bournemouth permanently? Oh, he that's might what have I was gone thinking. To, I think he might have gone on loan to Bournemouth. Because he was at Bournemouth before he played for us because he scored an own goal at Brunton Park. Um, or was it down at Bournemouth? Anyway, he did, I feel like Cambridge United is one. That's stuck in my head. Possibly Oxford United as well. Cambridge and Oxford and Bournemouth. Let's just go with those three because I, I cannot for the life of me think what the others are. So let's see what the answer is. They are Dulwich Hamlet, Gillingham and Burnley. Well, I mean, couldn't couldn't be further from the from the right answer there, could he? God, Burnley, that that, that I completely forgot about that one. He definitely played for Oxford and Cambridge, so he just obviously was there permanently in Bournemouth as well. There you go. Right, uh, let's wrap things up with the X Files section. A few bits to cover here. We mentioned his name earlier. Let's talk about him again. Jared Branthwaite. He scored a dramatic injury time equaliser for Everton in their two two home draw with Spurs. He's just continuing to impress, isn't he? Yeah, you know? my my friend from uh, from uni is an Everton fan. And he was in uh, one of the front few rows for the yeah. for the game, and I messaged him afterwards saying, Cumbrians, uh, Cumbrians do it best, don't we?" Um, <laughs> and he was like, "Too right, you do." Um, and I was like, "Well, he's going to make us a ton of money when you sell him." <laughs> and he was like, "So not a chance we're selling him then because we can't afford to give you any money." <laughs> so, <laughs> no, absolutely. So they're being a bit protective, but he just loves a a, a late equaliser because obviously against mm. Tottenham, but back against Chelsea when he uh, yeah. properly made it. Well, not made his proper debut, but uh, first bo- uh, burst onto the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Callum O'Hare is in a real good raid of form. Uh, he netted Coventry their two-one defeat at Norwich City. Elliot Watt, did you see this one, Adam? He scored directly from a corner for Salford City in their 3-1 home win over Wrexham. And you know what? It's his first Salford goal. That was his did first he... goal for Salford. It didn't even occur to me that was his first goal for them. That wow. was his first goal. 
ridiculous. What a way to do it. Uh, Cole Stockton, I think it was, this was his first goal for Barrow as well, wasn't it? Yeah. In a 1-0 win over MK Dons. Angelo Balanta, he scored for Boreham Wood. He hasn't scored for a while, to be fair. In their 1-0 win at Woking. George Glendon kept up his good form as well for Chester. He scored in their 1-1 home draw with Banbury United. And Brad Young, he scored for the New Saints in their 1-0 win over Falkirk in the Scottish Challenge Cup semi-final. That sentence will never not sound ridiculous, will it? A Welsh side being into the Scottish Challenge Cup final. But there you go. Yes. Uh, into midweek, there was only one goal in midweek, or one scorer, I should say. Callum O'Hare scored twice for Coventry City in their 4-1 FA Cup replay win over Sheffield Wednesday. And just a few more little bits here. Uh, Kieran Westwood uh, signed for Crew Alexandra on a deal until the end of the season. He hasn't played a game in 22 months. And I've seen a few of our fans say, why don't we go for him? It's like, well, th- he's been training with Crew for ages. Yeah, I did see that. And he's Cheshire-based, so it's an obvious move mm-hmm. for him. Like, to come to us, he would have to travel up every day and stuff, and I, I just, no, it just doesn't... It's the fans I'm, who... I'm pleased to see him back playing, but... Yeah, but no. it's the fans no. who are clamouring for, uh, you know, for us to have kept Dennis and, and Amari, who now yeah. can barely get a, a look in in League Two sides, which I think, uh. as we mentioned earlier, just proves how unready we were to, to come up and yeah. how much of an overachievement it was. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Brennan Dickinson, he signed for Hartlepool United from Oldham on loan until the end of the season. Uh, Charlie Wake, as we mentioned before, he signed for Rotherham United until the end of the season from Wigan Athletic. That was another one that annoyed said fans who were like, yeah, but- who were like why, why, would we, why would we get Rotherham strikers so Charlie White could go to, to Rotherham? Because we're getting not- a younger player on a longer deal. It's, it's just not logical. Yeah. Uh, and finally, a little bit of sad news that came out this week. Uh, Jamie Devitt has announced his retirement as a player after picking up a season-ending injury at Workington. He's going to continue his assistant coach role at Reds. Bit of sad news. That it's one of those ones. I think. I think he said, didn't he, that with the recovery time it was going to take, he's like, I can't. I can't put myself through that again. So yeah, exactly. It's the end of the road. Yeah. Room. There's no point in him continuing to you know come back for a month to be re-injured. And yeah. to be honest, I think he probably should have pulled the plug a little bit of a while ago just because it was it's not like this is a a new thing that's ha- like come on like the really yeah. really late stage of career like he's always been I, I do wonder if, yeah if this summer might have been a better time for him to do that possibly mm. after you know having got the promotion yeah. with us but i guess but, you, it's easy to for us to say when it's you know playing football isn't your living um yeah. but it's good it's that he's done. still carrying on the uh yeah the role with uh with workington and maybe if danny granger continues to be a good manager we'll see jamie devitt Back in the uh, the dugout as a assistant manager, maybe maybe one day in the future. There you go. Uh, that's it, Adam. Thanks very much for your time. Really yeah, no appreciate worries. it. Thanks once again to our sponsors, London Bunch, for their support this season. Uh, we're going to be doing a preview of the Burton game hopefully this weekend. I'm going to try and get that sorted if, if we can. If not, I do apologise, but it's, it's, it's difficult to fit in the midweek one sometimes. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely be back next week to preview the Cambridge game, which is a huge match now as well, I think, whatever happens this weekend. So uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And most importantly of all, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.